We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by Maggie Loney. And it's another Victory Monday show, which is a ton of fun. How are you doing, Maggie? I was a little nervous, honestly, because Andrew said that you two always seem to get the show where the Packers are bounced out of the postseason. <laughs> so I didn't, I don't know what to expect on my uh, my first season on Sunday. But so true. It, it really can't get better than a victory Monday. Not only are the Packers now heading into the playoffs, which we will get to talk about in more detail, but they did it by beating their oldest rivals at Lambeau Field after the Birds at the Bears. Goodness, after the Bears tripped <laughs> all season about the Packers and what was coming and how they had a surprise for them. And then the Packers answer all their own questions, right? Jordan Love is the future. That's the cherry on top for this team. They're the youngest offense in the NFL, and they still manage to do all that and make the pl- the playoffs in year one. So just a lot of fun. And also, congrats on your 9-8 and eight season prediction. <laughs> yeah, that never happens. I never get any of those right, but did nail the record prediction at 9-8 and eight this year. Uh, it wasn't without its bumps, but in the end, nine and eight was enough to send Green Bay to the playoffs with a red hot quarterback and a defense that is strangely playing its best football all of a sudden <laughs> at the end of this year after we've given so much grief to Joe Barry and that unit. As they say, though, you've just got to get into the show. And so we'll see where the playoffs take the 2023 Packers. But it's pretty clear that this year was already a huge success, regardless of what happens in the playoffs. We know what the future is, and that is a great 
great feeling. But uh, as you mentioned, Andrew is elsewhere today. Uh, we're without him. He has a decent excuse, I suppose, although we don't really give him uh, any credit for anything he comes up with an excuse when he misses a show but he was at Lambeau for the game today and knowing Andrew he has absolutely no voice left after yelling the entire time the defense was on the field so he got to see a pretty great game live in person there at Lambeau yeah you know I'm kind of surprised with Andrew not being here given all the shots that he takes at you that you didn't use this (laughs) as an opportunity to take some at him I thought you were going to say something like Andrew did the wave when the Packers were on offense and he's exhausted. So, (laughs) yeah, I think you just must be too excited about the Packers getting into the playoffs to really give him too much. I'm just honestly a little bit jealous. I know in the deep places of my heart that if Andrew never got married, I might have been able to go with him to this game. (laughs) So let's I'm just trying to move on before I get into trouble because, no, I'm so glad that he got to go and he got to go with who he got to go with. But a really, really fun game. A a couple months ago, maybe like a game in January, you know, the last week of the season, maybe we wouldn't have thought that this game would have had a ton of implications. But my goodness, Andrew getting to go to that one live is is fantastic and i'm really happy that he was there to take that in and i do know that he was doing his best to be as loud as possible so gets all the credit in the world there even though we do know he was doing the wave and things he shouldn't have done but uh the packers did host of course these chicago bears on sunday afternoon week 18 this was a ticket to the playoffs on the line here and coming into sunday there were a couple of alternate routes to the postseason for green bay even if they lost right but with the way that the early games played out on Sunday, it really simplified things down to a win-and-in situation and scenario for Green Bay, a situation that the Packers probably could have only dreamt of just a couple of weeks ago. But after a hot streak from Jordan Love, this team came into this game with a chance to make the playoffs and end the season with a winning record. All pretty incredible things considering the youth of this team. And I don't know that you can have a better feeling after watching this game play out. Yeah. Especially when you looked at that schedule down the stretch and he said, well, they probably have to win three, if not four of the last ones. And they dropped the giants game and you're like, Oh shoot. And then they dropped the bucks game and you're like, Oh man, we're really getting into crunch time. Cause you know, the division games are always the ones you circle on your calendar as being difficult because it's the rival that knows you best in the league. So yeah, just a, really impressive performance from the Packers here, but this was probably, you know, going into this game, I think the closest that we've seen to the Packers offense at full strength all season, Luke Musgrave was back from injured reserve. He was elevated for the game or officially activated. I should say for the game, AJ Dillon was inactive already had been Mm -hmm. ruled out with a stinger going into Sunday. And then Christian Watson was a surprise inactive after trending towards playing all week. So Not sure if that was a setback or maybe they were looking a little bit ahead, which you don't want them to do necessarily. And they thought about saving him for a potential playoff game. But that said, Jaden Reed was good to go. Dontavian Wicks was good to go. So everybody but Watson on that offensive side of the ball and then A.J. Dillon being inactive, healthy. So we'll see. Hopefully it's not a setback for Watson, who's now missed five straight. But yeah, really kind of fun to see the offense at almost full strength at this point in the season. Yeah, that was a weird one. I think the Christian Watson one had Twitter kind of up in arms and 
probably unfairly to him. Obviously, he wants to be out there, and this team benefits greatly from his speed and the creativity that he gives the offense. So clearly, if he could go, he would have gone. I don't think that they reserve him for a hopeful playoff push. Right? Like That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think if he could have gone, he would have gone, and it does feel weird at this point. So hopefully we hear a little bit more about what he's dealing with, and maybe we do get him next week in the playoffs. But let's jump into this game. Um, the... Bears got the ball first with their first drive starting at the 31-yard line after a nice return from Velas Jones. A loss of two on the first handoff to Khalil Herbert, second and 12, and the Bears pick up eight with Komet, uh, setting up a third and short. The Packers bring pressure with four, but Fields escapes up the middle for a first down. A nice pass to DJ Moore moves the chains and the Bears enter Green Bay territory. Equinemia St. Brown is wide open for an 18-yard pickup and the Bears find themselves at Green Bay's 26. Lucas Van Ness gets a sack for a loss of six, uh, the fourth of his rookie season, bringing up second and 16. Field scrambles for a few yards, bringing up a third and 13. The Packers bring heavy pressure, and Carl Brooks tips up a her, uh, tips up, her, oh, trips up, sorry. He trips up her, I was like, why is he tipping the ball? Uh, he trips up Herbert on the dump off, and it's fourth and 16, so the Bears settle for a 50-yard field goal attempt, almost poetically. It does doink, but this time it goes through the uprights. Chicago takes a 3-0 lead. Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at that one, that was not, you know, it could have gotten a lot worse for the Packers. It felt like the Bears were kind of doing what they wanted to on that first drive, but the defense came up in some really nice moments, obviously. It's nice to see Lucas Van Ness getting involved. Four sacks for the rookie, also had one in Week 1 against Justin Fields, his first career sack. So fun to see him end his rookie season that way, and just some really nice contributions. We're going to talk a lot, I think, tonight about the offense and the young players that they have contributing so to see Carl Brooks and Lucas Van Ness both both have nice plays on that opening series just shows you, you know, this is a really nice class and it's early, but a lot of contributions to really like from young players. Yeah, the Van Ness sec was the play that the defense needed at that point. The snap was low on that play and it might have given Van Ness just enough extra time to get in there and put the Bears offense in a hole there. It really looked like Herbert was going to spring that run for a big play and a first down on that third and 13. But Carl Brooks absolutely getting that shoestring tackle saved the day there. The toink couldn't keep the points off the board. But after the defense looked to be kind of on skates there for just a couple of minutes, getting a stop there, only giving up the three points was absolutely what they needed and a big win early in this football game. Yeah, so then the Packers start at the 25. Um, their first possession, obviously, open it up with a screen to Jones, who slips, brings up second and six. Then the pass to Wicks at the sticks is high, so it's third and six right out of the gate for the Packers. But Love hits Jones on a quick slant to move the chains. A run to Jones goes nowhere, but Love connects with Wicks for a pickup of 19. And then Jones busts a run for a gain of 14, getting comfortably into Bears territory. Love to Melton for eight yards, another first down run for Jones. Love did take a shot in the end zone, and it would have been a tough catch for Dobbs, but it was a catchable ball. You know, he got hit on that one. Um, he'll pop up, uh, popped up on the injury report after the game. We have not heard yet the severity of that, but it sounded kind of kind of gruesome, kind of scary on mm. the sidelines. Um, so we'll kind of wait and see as we record this if we get any updates on him. But 
third and five after that incomplete touchdown attempt in the end zone. And Love takes an eight-yard sack, so that brings up fourth and 14. It's a 41-yard attempt for Carlson, who misses wide left. Bears can maintain their lead there, 3-0. I mean, what a absolutely devastating end to what was a fantastic drive love was methodical and even surgical on this drive the pass to jones on a slant on third down was fantastic with pressure in love's face the gain of 19 to wicks had just enough pace and just enough touch on it the ball to dobbs would have been on a highlight reel for a long time if dobbs could have held on and green bay was moving the ball so well on the ground just so many things going their way and to come away with no points, right? They should have had at least three, just an inexcusable mistake from the special teams to let down the offense like that. But I mean, we know how the game goes, so we feel a lot better, but coming out of the gate with a drive like that and then getting no points was absolutely devastating to start the game. Yeah. So because of that miss, the bears get to start their second possession at the 31 Tyler Scott is wide open beyond the six for an easy catch and a first down ball on the 43 DJ Moore picks up another first down. So the bears are rolling here on first down. Roshan Johnson finds a hole for eight yards, brings up a second and short fields keeps it and is taken down for a loss of four by Gary and Smith bringing up third and six. And that's the end of the first quarter. This game flew by. It just felt like it, I think the first half took less than an hour on the TV broadcast, but worth noting, and we'll talk about this again, we're kind of stat watching here, but if Rashawn Gary is credited with the sack, he'd hit double digits for the first time in his career. He's at nine right now in the season. So if they give him a full sack, he'll get 10. Um, if he gets a half sack, then he ties his career best, which is 9.5. So we'll wait on that one. But speaking of sacks, Devonte Wyatt comes up huge for the defense with a sack of fields on third down taking the Bears out of field goal range. So the Bears punt from midfield and Reed calls for a fair catch at the eight-yard line. Yeah, just a huge sequence from the defense there. The play on second down from Rashawn Gary that put them in the third down was my favorite, right? Because he's engaged with the right tackle. But when he saw Fields start to look to break the pocket, he kind of just like forced himself free, almost like pushing himself off of the tackle, falling into kind of that escape lane where Fields was probably looking to get away. Low-key, just a huge play to contain the quarterback. And then Devontae Wyatt comes up big with not only a sack, but a big one that pushed them out of field goal range entirely, like Maggie mentioned. The special teams shot the team in the foot earlier after their drive you know, a couple minutes before this, but the defense looked like they came to play early in this game, and it really was what kept them in the game early in the game when things were not maybe going the way that they hoped that they would. Um, so the game book did just release as we were talking about this and Rashad <laughs> Gary not credited with anything because it was a design to run oh, for Justin okay. Fields. So ends his season with nine sacks, which is still good. He got pressure all game, but unfortunately not going to be credited um, with yeah, a sack there. So, all right. So after a short run on first down, Jordan Love finds a wide open read to get the Packers all the way to midfield. And that 10 to 11 connection, I think, is going to be really special. Uh, the ball's at the 44 and Love dumps it off to Wicks for a quick eight yards, bringing up second and two and officially putting the Packers into Bears territory. A sneaky end around to Melton gives Green Bay just enough for a fresh set of downs. The Packers go hurry up on third down and force the Bears to call a timeout. Third and five from the 41, Love finds Melton for a strong grab and a first down. Jones rushes for 12 yards and officially gets the Packers into the red zone, helped by a great block from Tucker Craft. 
Uh, more strong running from Jones brings up a third and one from the 10. Timeout Green Bay with 725 left in the half. On third and one, Love finds Wicks in the end zone for six, and it's just a beautiful ball. That was a 92-yard, 11-play drive, and the Packers lead 7-3. Yeah, Jordan Love just doesn't need his feet, it seems. It's almost becoming <laughs> like comical that when he throws off his back foot, right? Like a lot of times as a fan, especially like if you're not there in person at the field, you see what the quarterback does before you see where the ball is going to go, right? Like, that's just kind of how it works. But when he does that and he throws off his back foot, you're just kind of getting to a place where you know something incredible is about to happen on the other end of that play. And again here, just another beautiful play to Wicks in the end zone. You love to see it. What a play. So a short kickoff then gives the Bears a returnable ball, and they get nice field position starting at their 34-yard line. Herbert picks up seven yards on the ground, bringing up second and three. Then Quay Walker comes free on a blitz, but Fields is able to avoid that sack. It's a throwaway ball, and the Packers force third and short. It's incredibly close on a run from Johnson, and the refs signal for fourth down. Uh, and then Matt Aberflus keeps his offense on the field, and the Bears run a sneak with fields. The refs bring out the chains, and it literally could not be closer. But the refs rule it a first down for Chicago. So two running plays that the Packers sniff out pretty well, and it's third and four Chicago from the 50. Empty backfield for fields, and he finds a wide-open DJ Moore who gets all the way to Green Bay's 18. And it's third and six. The Bears let the clock run down to the two-minute warning. And credit to the Lambeau Field crowd because they sounded really loud on the broadcast. Um, so good job, Andrew. <laughs> so, uh, the Packers bring pressure on third down. And Fields is sacked by Kenny Clark. So on fourth and 14, the Bears kick a 39-yard field goal. And it's 7-6 Packers. And the Packers get the ball with 117 left in the half. Okay, so let's just jump back really quickly to this alleged first down that the bears got when they brought out the chains, because I know it's close and maybe it's a first down, but what was so crazy is that the ref that indicated first down did so from a position where he was behind the football. And if you look down the ball between the chains, you can see light between the chains and the ball. If you're going to make that call and you're like, okay, it's too close to say that it's not a first down. I feel like you at least have to be looking down the line to to see that. And for him to motion, you know, first down confidently from like a yard and a half behind where the ball position was just mind blowing to me that that was the confident decision that was made by the ref. But regardless, still, I mean, lots of things in this game were like kind of head scratching, but that one, I just, had a hard time believing that that's how it happened but credit to the defense and Kenny Clark for making the play that they did and holding Chicago to a field goal in that situation because that was at that point the best case scenario and really limited the pain that could have come out of that unfortunate call yeah and there will be more of those so we'll talk about (laughs) it but the Packers start their final drive of the half at their 25 love immediately finds Melton and the Packers get up to the 50 yard line Quick dump off to Jones, gets the Packers into field goal range with 46 seconds left on the clock and one timeout remaining. With 16 seconds left on the clock, the Packers have to burn their final timeout with Kraft unable to get out of bounds. The ball is at the 22-yard line, but then the wheels kind of completely fall off here. Jordan Love takes a shot at the end zone that should honestly probably have been intercepted, but Malik Keith does a nice job kind of bullying the ball to break up that catch. 
Then on the last play of the half, it's an attempt to get a few more yards for Carlson. Wicks makes the catch on the sideline, but he's forced out of bounds going backwards. So the clock winds and the Packers are unable to stop the clock and get their field goal unit onto the field. So the half ends 7-6 Packers. Just a really abysmal way to end a really promising drive. You know, they get down to midfield in two plays. Looks like they're going to at least put three on the board, if not six or seven. Mm -hmm. They desperately needed those points after missing the field goal early with Carlson. And then, of course, they're not able to get anything out of that drive. But if there's any good news, it's that the Packers start the second half with the ball, and they've been able to move the ball really well all game. Yeah, you really said it all, Maggie. Credit to Malik Heath there for saving the interception and what should have ensured a kick before the half, right? Like that went from a terrible play to, okay, we salvaged this, but Green Bay couldn't get out of bounds, like you said, ran out of time. And in a half of football where the Packers felt like they were clearly the better team going into half with just a one-point lead and leaving as many as, I don't know, 10 points on the field, is a real disappointment going into the half. And you could feel it in Matt LaFleur's halftime interview, but it was really good to see them come out and do some different things in the second half to continue to just plug away when they have been the better football team. So let's get into that second half. Uh, The second half began with Green Bay coming out with the ball and moving the ball, a quick completion to Wicks with some nice yards after the completion. And Jones gets just... A fresh set of downs here. Jones doing some really nice things throughout this game, but especially in the second half. Melton stays involved with a big catch. Tony Romo remains incredibly impressed with Jordan Love, which was a lot of fun to listen to on the broadcast. Aaron Jones gets a first down carry and scamplers for 17 yards. He follows it up with another seven. Jones looks healthy. He looks quick. And he's just running so well, really at the most important time for this team. And now heading into the playoffs is just really fun and exciting to think about what that can mean for this team when they have their chance in the playoffs. Just a few plays later, uh, after riding Jones for a few more carries, Green Bay faced a big third and three from the Chicago 12. And Love threw a dart to Wicks, who fought for the last two yards and his second touchdown of the day. Yeah, really cool story, too, about Wicks, um, one of his late college teammates. It's his birthday today. So Wicks had told the the media after the game that he had gotten emotional on that second touchdown because it felt like he was on the field for both of them. So just really cool to Mm -hmm. see him go out there and have a two-touchdown game. But in a game, you know, that we said should have been arguably 13 to six at halftime, if not potentially more than that, it cannot be understated how big that touchdown was. I mean, Wicks came up in such a huge, huge moment. Love has been so composed in the pocket. And like you said, Wicks fought for extra yards to make sure that he got in to get the score. So especially with the Romeo going to the locker room um, with the chest injury, this one was on the young guys, you know, we knew that they were going to have to step up and make things happen. And they gave the Packers a little bit of breathing room for you know, that team being up seven now instead of just three. Yeah. And I don't think enough can be said about this team coming out of half and marching down the field after the way that it ended. I mean, it was so frustrating, multiple layers to that frustration, whether it was, you know, if you want to talk about the refs, although they didn't blame the refs, I love that. I mean, they leave that to us to be the (laughs) podcasters who complain about that. But LaFleur just said, we have to flip the switch. And they did that and they came out and into the second half and they got it done. Uh, Chicago, though, gets the ball back, finds some success running the ball on their next drive with their running backs and then on the legs of Justin Fields. 
but things stalled out at midfield after a couple of failed Herbert runs and then another big third down sack from the defense. Preston Smith got the initial pressure and Quay ended up bringing him down for a loss of three yards on that one. Yeah, the Packers front absolutely came to play. And I know we knew this game, you know, was going to be Fields and his ability to make things happen with his legs. That was going to kind of be what could keep this thing close. And the Packers Mm -hmm. defense just hasn't given him any opportunities to do that. You know, Lucas Van Ness, Clark, Gary Smith, Wyatt, and even like you said, Quay Walker getting involved on some stunts. It was just a really nice day from Green Bay's defense. And we always joke that we're like holding our breath on third downs Mm -hmm. because we don't trust what what Barry's defense is dialing up or what they would give up, but hats off to them because it had been hell for fields Mm -hmm. in the backfield, especially on third downs. Yeah, absolutely. And Chicago then almost pins green Bay at their own one, but the Chicago players foot was in the end zone or on that line. So a touchback starts love and the Packers at their own 25. Bo Melton gets the tricky end around and looked like he was really going to get wrapped up after about two yards. It didn't look like there was a lot there, but he trucked a half dozen Bears defenders and picked up a total of 12 yards and a first down on that one. A really fun play. And you can just tell that this team loves Bo Melton, and he's obviously carved out a role for himself. So really cool. But on a big third and two, a couple plays later, Love keeps it and picks up the first down, but he fumbles as he's getting tackled and going to the ground. Just a gut punch play because everything was working Green Bay's way, but the Chicago Bears came up with, a big play when Tyreek Stevenson's helmet just hit the ball in the perfect spot and forced the fumble. And it was, you know, everything was going well. That was the one that just kind of made you go, man, like this game just hasn't gone the Packers way. Yeah, that one, you know, stung in the moment, but it was kind of hard to avoid it, it felt like. I mean, Stevenson's helmet just literally hit the ball at the perfect angle. I don't think Love was being, like, loose with the way he was carrying anything. He did try to juke him a little bit, but, you know, it is disappointing because right instead of, you know, picking up the first down and sustaining the drive and potentially putting more points on the board to kind of separate yourselves Mm -hmm. from the bears. It's the bears defense that gets the stop. And things also started to get really chippy at this point, lots of shoving. So the Packers, you know, at this point, I think it was just more important for them to stay level headed and keep the momentum on their side, forcing that defense to get back out there and hopefully get another stop. Yeah, absolutely. On the broadcast, they drew attention to the fact that it looked like Jordan Love audible to a quick pass mm-hmm. and none of the three wide receivers looked like they got the call of who was supposed to be on the receiving end of that. And so then he was kind of audibling there, which making an impressive play if he had picked up that first down. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. But uh, the Bears start the fourth quarter with a big catch by DJ Moore. Or was it a catch? (laughs) LaFleur challenges the reception, uh, which would have been good enough. It was, you know, a conversion. It was a third and seven play. So this was not, you know, a small situation. This was had monumental consequences. And after review, the call on the field stands. And I was just absolutely beside myself because I did not think that this was going to stand as a completed catch. And Maggie knows exactly how convinced (laughs) I was that it was not going to stand. Yeah, my favorite part about working on the show doc together is that we type our notes and our thoughts live as it's happening, obviously, because there's no way we would remember all of these plays just to talk about them. But uh, yeah, we were both so convinced multiple times, me with that fourth down attempt and Kyle with the DJ Moore catch that we're like typing in our notes like, oh, and then the Packers defense gets a stop. 
And then we have to immediately just delete the <laughs> delete the notes live in the doc. So it's funny to always see the other little cursor just like deleting and retyping and deleting. But yeah, upsetting. It was insane and so upsetting. They went on to a commercial break there, and after the replay was shown, like in in the game, there I was just so convinced that it was conclusive that the ball not only looked like it skimmed the ground before Moore caught it, but that as Moore was actually gathering it, the tip hit the ground again. I just thought it was the easiest call to reverse that we've seen in a while. And so I'm typing it out, putting it in the show doc, and I prefer the outcome that I actually (laughs) wrote into the show and not what actually ended up happening in the actual game. But um, moving on, because we must, uh, a few plays later, Jair Alexander breaks up a potential score, pulling the ball away from Cole Komet. Um, On third and 10, Valentine steps in front of an almost sure touchdown to the tight end there and breaks it up. I'm not sure if that was Komet again or another tight end, uh, but breaks that one up. Valentine actually had a chance to intercept that pass. So if you want to be critical, maybe he's able to take even more points off the board. But let's be positive. Carrington keeps Chicago out of the end zone and they settle for the field goal there and they convert that. So Green Bay now 14 the bad guys in Chicago with nine. The first play with the ball back, though, Love hits Jaden Reed along the left side, sideline in stride. Um, Reed cuts it across the middle of the field, and I honestly thought he was going to house this one, but he goes for 59 yards and put, puts Green Bay into the red zone. And on third down, Love finds Bo Melton in the end zone, and he catches the ball with his upper leg before he goes out of bounds. And you cannot convince me otherwise. But, again, the refs don't see it the way that I do, (laughs) even after they did, right? Because they call it incomplete. They change it on the field. They change the ruling on the field, and they reverse it after review. So what a total mess. But Green Bay doesn't get the score there, and they settle for three. This time, Carlson actually connects. So it's 17-9 Green Bay with the lead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza 
is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and then you can get ready for football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it, and more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. Hey, friends. I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin-Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found Game Time. Game Time is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. Game Time is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using Game Time, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. I, I, that was a touchdown, and it made me lose my mind. I mean, I know we have an entire section about key players and key plays, but if we had video going, I would give Bo Melton a standing ovation because you're talking about a receiver who's buried on the depth chart. He's wide receiver four or five on any team, and the way he stepped up in huge moments for the team with Watson out, Dobbs out. You know, I took the, I know that they took the touchdown off the board, obviously, but he was Green Bay's first 100-yard receiver last week, and he just continues to make plays for this young offense. So I was, I was just really upset that that they took six off the board for him because it felt like we should have gotten another. He did what moment at Lambo with that ball on his leg. And instead the Packers settle for three and it doesn't of course bite them in the end. Hindsight is 2020, but the Packers felt like they left so many points on the board. And a couple of those moments were arguably ref calls. So yes, it was close, but I just thought it was something really athletic from Melton to be able to secure the ball like that. Yeah, and I get why this was a close call. There's no getting around like this is, you know, this is us supporting the Packers and thinking that this should have been a touchdown. You could have called this either way. I get that. But you just gave Chicago a first down conversion on a very suspect catch from DJ Moore, like literal minutes before this. If anything, I thought that there was more conclusive evidence for why the Melton catch should have counted and been a touchdown than the Moore catch standing as a catch. So dump it in with the miraculous first down from the chain gang and my frustration with the consistency from the refs at this point was just growing and I was furious because I was just feeling like they were not going to get a single call in this game. But uh, with the ball, the bears try running with fields and Jonathan Owen Owens just lights him up on this play and fields, you know, 
he stays down and he wants the flag as he had started to slide, but it was a pretty bang, bang play, right? Like, and you can tell Owens is trying to pull up, but it's just so fast. Like there's very little that a defensive back can do in that situation. No flag. Chicago is forced to go for it on a fourth and five after this, but Rashawn Gary is called off sides, but on the broadcast, you can easily see how they could have called the movement prior to the snap on the left tackle on the opposite side of the line. But regardless a huge penalty. You can't do it. And Gary is flagged for five yards and it gives Chicago a brand new set of downs. Just a heartbreaker because of the situation they found themselves in there. Fields briefly left to get checked on for a concussion, but he came in as a true hero does just in time to take a big sack from Brooks and then airmail a pass over DJ Moore in the flat that might earn him a ticket straight out of Chicago or at least a one-way ticket right back to the medical tent to get checked out because he missed it by a mile. And then on fourth and 22, Chicago is at that point, you know, they prefer to keep going for it because they need points. But on fourth and 22, you're kind of forced to punt with a little over six minutes left in the football game. Yeah, I said some very not suitable for listeners things during that entire sequence. The third and 22 had me on the edge of my seat, but the Packers do, like you said, force the punt. And now they've got six minutes standing between them and the playoffs. So just a really nice day from the defense and all things considered a nice day from the offense too, obviously, that just didn't result in a ton of points, but moved the ball really efficiently. And this game Truly, I don't think this is a homer take. Should not have been as close as it was. Um, But yeah, the Packers, six minutes left, opportunity to put everything away. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you feel like they're getting close to putting this away. And then Reed Fair catches the ball at the six-yard line. And Jones goes backwards on the first down carry. And you start to get a little bit nervous about where this is headed. But Musgrave comes up with a catch to give them some breathing room. And then on another monster third and short, Love finds who else? Jaden Reed for an absolutely huge conversion, a gain of 15 yards. Green Bay then leaned into Aaron Jones after digging themselves out of their own end zone, as they should. Jones is just so good right now. Chicago started using their timeouts around the three-minute mark here. And with two minutes and 24 seconds left, the Packers are faced with a monster third and eight situation. Uh, Green Bay goes back to the pass here, of course, trying to pick up those eight and put the game on ice. And after extending the play, uh, Jordan Love just starts to pull out to the left or to the right side of the pocket just a little bit, just to get a little bit more time. He finds Tucker Kraft for the conversion that they needed so, so badly right there with a huge play, a clutch play from Jordan Love to win the football game. So uh, just a fantastic end to the game after a lot of question marks along the way, some frustrations from fans for sure. But uh, as we always do, we want to close this one out with drawing attention to who made the plays that the Packers needed, who were those players, and then what were the plays that stuck out to us as we watched this game. So uh, Maggie, who was your player of the game in this one. I was going to let you go first because I know who you're picking, but I'll go first and then I'll let you talk about it. I know you want to give Joe Barry some credit. So I absolutely think that that (laughs) is completely warranted. I thought he called a really nice game defensively and we got to see some creative stunts that generated a ton of pressure, made fields really uncomfortable all night. 
I'm not rushing to rehire him or anything like that, but Let's I think it was, a, it was a nice makeup for some of the dud performances we've seen. I really liked getting creative with Walker as well. He was in the backfield. It felt like all night. So also Jordan Love deserving of praise here, of course. It just cannot be understated, and I think I said it already, how impressive he's been this season through all the ups and downs, losing so many of his weapons throughout the season, an offensive line that struggled early before it kind of rounded into form, having the youngest offense in the league. I posted these numbers on Twitter, but I just wanted to highlight them here because it's so wildly impressive. Jordan loves four best games this season in his first year as a starter. His best game came tonight against Chicago, 128.6 passer rating. His second best game was in Detroit on Thanksgiving, 125.5 passer rating. Third best game was last week in Minnesota, 125.3 rating. And then his fourth best game was against Chicago in week one, 123.2 rating. So four best games of the season, all against the NFC North. Just ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. I hadn't really looked at it. I knew he played well, you know, in these games. But when you look at the quantifiable, like, you know, that those numbers are ridiculous. And a reason that your division will start to fear you and just really haunt, especially, you know, Chicago having those two outstanding performances to bookend the season on the front end and on uh, the last week of the season. But good for Jordan Love. Finishes the game tonight, 27 of 32 for 316 yards, two touchdowns, possibly three if we count the Melton <laughs> catch. I guess let's go ahead and call it four potential touchdowns if Dobbs is able to rein in the one where he probably gets hurt there. But no one's bitter about those missed opportunities. <laughs> uh, just a fantastic outing from Jordan Love and so exciting to see the future um, being played on the field by such a young, exciting quarterback. But you mentioned that I do want to give Joe Barry some credit here. And I wrote you, you know, in uh, parentheses there, because I, I mean, I've been as critical as anyone of Joe Barry and what we've seen on the field from him and, and some of the soft coverages and those kinds of things. But uh, the defensive line came up with five sacks that were absolutely crucial to the outcome of this game. The bears offense, should have been funneling the ball to their best player, DJ Moore. He only had four catches, one of which, again, not being bitter. One of those catches probably wasn't a catch. But regardless, the defense came to play in this football game, and containing Justin Fields to only 27 rushing yards is absolutely a huge win when you compare it to what he's done recently and the way that you thought that maybe the Bears could sneak out a win in this game. And so for that, I'm going to reluctantly tip my cap to Joe Barry and the defensive <laughs> staff because, I mean, they didn't give, a, give up a touchdown in this football game, and that's impressive. It's absolutely what the team needed to come out with a win today because things were not – they were clicking on offense, but they weren't finishing on offense. So the defense is what allowed them to win this game. And I think that the game plan that they put together was incredibly effective against the Chicago Bears. And so Joe Barry gets some credit for that. There's lots of names here we could mention that we haven't. I think we could talk a little bit more about uh, Dontavian Wicks. We talked about him earlier in the show. Jaden Reed continues to be an absolute stud as a rookie. And then Aaron Jones, like, coming through for your team when it's been hard to be without them all season, but coming up these last couple of weeks with some monster games and some monster runs in situational football, you got to give him a lot of credit and there's no one easier to root for than Aaron Jones. It's just fun to see him healthy out there and playing so well, but those are the players. Uh, what about some key plays that stuck out over the course of this football, football game, Maggie? 
Yeah, really quickly before I hit mine, just I I have to say I'm also so impressed with this run defense. You know, if we're going to give yeah. Joe Barry his flowers in the front, their flowers, also want to point that out. They were the second best offense in rushing attempts and rushing yards going yeah. into this game. And, you know, Khalil Herbert had put up a ton of yards on the ground. The last two weeks they had over 190 rushing yards. And then Green Bay gets out there and holds them to 75 on the ground. So just mm-hmm. really, really nice day from the Packers from – Pretty much everybody. You could argue special teams <laughs> was a little bit yeah. of a letdown. Yeah. But yeah, just a, a really nice performance all around. I'm going to take – there's so many plays we could pick, right? And honestly, yeah. some amazing moments on both sides of the ball. Some crucial sacks and big moments that saved points. But the one I want to mention actually is the ball from Love to Read in the fourth quarter. It's 14-9 to nine at this point. There's plenty of time left on the clock in a one-score game. And the floor had said that af- uh, after the game that Reed wasn't even supposed to be in Jordan's progression at that point. Oh, wow. That was just love being love and finding Reed for that huge play. It's a 59-yard wow. completion, allows the Packers to get into field goal range, and that makes it a 17-9 to game, which ended up, of course, being the final score. But it's just a really heads-up play from two young players. I think I said it already, but I think 10-11 to 11 is just going to be really special for a long time. And if that's the kind of chemistry and connection that they have in their first season – really excited to see that progress. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, Andrew and I have talked about it a couple times that Jaden Reed was a player that we kind of skimmed over a little bit because like not a huge RAS guy wasn't really high, you know, as far as his stature and the way that the Packers have prioritized bigger receivers just wasn't someone I spent a lot of time on being from Michigan. I've seen a few Michigan state games, you know, and he was a player that was good, but just didn't pop the way that we obviously have seen him play already in the NFL. So a really fun one to track that Brian Gutekunst absolutely identified another second round receiver for this Green Bay (laughs) Packers team, which is totally bonkers and so annoying to everyone else who can't believe that the Packers keep churning out, you know, I don't want to say Hall of Fame quarterbacks yet, but like star quarterbacks. <laughs> say it. And, just say so, it. <laughs> the next <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback, Jordan Love. Um, and, and these, you know, young wide receivers that they just seem to grow on trees in the second round. But uh okay, jumping back to plays of the game, there's a ton of options, like you said. This one maybe is a little bit like low key, but I think Love escaping the pocket just enough to find Tucker Craft on that last drive did it for me. Like as a clutch play that required love sticking with his play when he probably felt that internal clock absolutely running out of time. Right. But just moving just a little bit in the pocket to find that time to get a big play, to wrap up this game and send green Bay into the playoffs. For me, I think that there was a lot of maturity and poise in that play that for me, just it really stuck out to me as a great play that love made at the end of this football game. Yeah, so kind of quiet on the injury front. We're waiting to see, of course, what happens with Romeo Dobbs. The initial report from John Kuhn made it sound like he was coughing up blood on the sideline. The Packers officially listed it as a chest injury. I know we saw him walking into the tunnel at one point. Uh, He was questionable um, with his designation on Twitter. So haven't seen anything yet coming out about the severity of that or what that looks like moving forward. But obviously hoping that he's okay. We're of course speculating that it happened on that high ball in the end zone. It looks like he took a shot on his way down. So hoping he's okay there. The only other injury really to come out of this game was Zach Tom. At one point he left right tackle spot and Yash Nyman came in. Mm. Um, Packers Twitter calls it a finger injury. Um, He was questionable to return with that, Uh, but then he did come back later in the game uh, to start the second half. So 
seems like that was nothing, you know, maybe got some tape on it, but those are really the only two injuries that we saw coming out of this one. So all in all, a, a pretty healthy game for the Packers and hoping next week that they'll get Dobbs available. Hopefully Watson's able to come back and some of their other pieces here as well. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously hoping the best for Dobbs and anytime you're coughing up blood, it feels like they've had a strange number of chest injuries throughout yeah. the season. So let's uh, nix the, the hamstrings and the chest injuries and we'll be in good shape. But uh, the Packers obviously get a huge win um, headed into the playoffs. They will play the Dallas Cowboys next week. We don't know what time that game will be played as of this recording, um, but they get to go to Dallas and that obviously will be a big stage for this team to see what they can do. Kind of playing with house money. You heard Jordan Love say it like they're going to view themselves as the underdogs and that's kind of a, scary place for other teams to see the Packers come into this tournament with really an opportunity just to play upset. So exciting. Um, I mean, there's a lot of implications for this game and the rest of the pack of the day team will unpack this throughout the week. And as we get into the off season, but I mean, this was a big game for Chicago, Maggie, like, do you think that this has a lot of implications for, there was a lot of talk. You mentioned it. There was a lot of them saying like, hey, it's going to be different the second time around. Obviously, as Packer fans, we're thrilled that it went the way that it did. But Justin Fields did not look dynamic on this football field. And Joe Barry was the one to rein him in. And I'm just curious, what does this do for Chicago and Justin Fields as they face some really big decisions owning the number one pick going into the offseason? I I wouldn't want to have to make that decision, I guess. I mean, I think the rational, the smart move is to move on from fields. But I think if you do that, you risk upsetting some of the locker room. Like DJ Moore, your wide receiver one has come out and said he wants fields. You hear the fans chanting that they want fields in the stadium. So it's really hard to think about moving on from him at the same time. You know, if you decide that you want to see what you get with him, you're in a really good position right now Mm. to get a haul. You have the first overall pick. You can trade that for more picks. You can keep trading down. Um, I know Mina Kimes kind of talked about that on one of her shows, just the idea that you just snowball down the board and you get a million first round and second round picks for later on in the draft. And if you really think that you can build around fields and he can be a top kind of 15 even quarterback in the league, then maybe you go that route because maybe you're just a couple pieces away at other spots and you think that he can be the guy. But yeah, it's just tough. I think probably what happens is Justin Fields ends up somewhere else and the pack or the bears. Wow. The bears take a quarterback (laughs) first overall. um, Cause I just, I don't know. I think they're kind of in purgatory right now if they stay with yeah. Justin. Um, and I, I think he's from Atlanta. I remember that. So I always thought Atlanta would be a really fun spot for him with all the weapons sure. that they have. Um, so, yeah, just really going to be interested to see if they kind of prioritize what the locker room feels and the fan base feels or if they really. And I think the coaches make a difference here, too. If they think they're right. moving on, they probably want to the, the new coaching staff probably wants to start fresh with somebody right, else. Right. And that's, that's what's so interesting is it feels like there are reports that Eberflus was safe as of a week or two ago. And if you maintain that coaching staff, do you keep the quarterback, keep it all together? If you don't keep the quarterback, is it just a clean reset and you do go with the new coaching staff to tie with a new quarterback? And then if it's, if it's Caleb Williams, like, is it super hard at number one overall? Like, if your evaluation of Drake May is that he's a safer, easier projection in the NFL, 
can do you have the guts as the Chicago Bears to take Drake May over Caleb Williams, even though Caleb Williams obviously incredible athlete, but the range of outcomes is probably a little bit wider. I don't know if you can sell off Justin Fields, pass on Caleb Williams and take someone else. So it probably feels like Caleb Williams or Justin Fields here. And it's just going to be really fascinating to see how they handle the conversation and the fans, because you're right. A couple weeks ago, it felt like they were all in on Justin Fields. The other half of this conversation, Maggie, if I can, I know we're out of time here. This is the, this is the 20 minutes a day show, but uh, what, what does this mean for love and for Brian Gutekunst? You know, lots of criticism, you know, has come around those two and, you know, should they have never picked love? Should Goody have done things differently with Rogers and legacy things and those kinds of things? Obviously the Packers make the playoffs in the first year that love is the starter. Like what is the trajectory here for those two guys? I mean, I think any way you slice it at this point, you know, we're not saying that Goody is going to be on the same level as Ron Wolf or as Ted Thompson. You know, if Jordan Love gets him to a Super Bowl in three years, absolutely, that would be the case. But he made the hard decisions and he got a ton of flack for it and people wanted him run out of Green Bay. And, you know, for as challenging as the decision had to have been for him to move on from a four-time MVP, a Hall of Famer, first ballot he stuck with his guns and he got his guy. He knew that this was the time to give his guy the opportunity to be successful. They surrounded him with a really young offense, you know, Matt LaFleur, really good offensive coach. And they got a haul for Aaron Rodgers. You know, yeah. they hoped it could have been more. It could have been a first round pick, but still you're picking three times in the top 45. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's really impressive. And I'm, we joked about Jordan Love being a hall of famer, right? But regardless of what happens, I don't think that you can say that he made the wrong decision. There's no way to look at this now and say what could have been because the playoffs weren't the expectation for anybody on the outside looking in, except for the people at 1265 who were adamant that it wasn't a rebuild. And they proved by making the playoffs with the youngest offense in the league that it wasn't a rebuild and whatever happens, you know, and before we wrap, I, the schedule did come out for wildcard weekends. I want to touch on that quickly, but, Tell us. Oh, I was I was gonna let you respond to the the oh. love and booty thing first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real quick, while we gather that info uh, about when we'll be playing next week. Yeah, I do think it's a situation where lots of criticism was shared about the front office. Some of it may maybe at the time was legitimate. Maybe if the Packers went more in, maybe we have another Super Bowl. I feel like that's kind of wishful thinking. Yeah. But now, in hindsight, the Packers did this year what they were unable to do last year with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm the last person to defend Aaron Rodgers at this point. So it may, but it may not be fair to say, you know, the Packers were able to win and in this year with love and they weren't able to do it last year with, with, with Rodgers. but that's exactly what happened. And so when you're defending your process, it sure feels like the Packers were able to take a step forward, make a financially responsible decision and pave the way forward for the future while really not taking much of a rebuild year at all. They're finding themselves in the playoffs, and I don't think you can be more excited about what is possible for the Packers over the next three to five years. Yeah, especially when you look at, like we just said, they're going to have three picks inside the top 50. So if you're close now and you make the playoffs, if you think you're a couple pieces away and you can invest high draft capital in that, future looks promising. So Slate did come out during Sunday Night Football. Um, Dolphins are leading not that this is going to matter by the time anyone's listening to the <laughs> show, but so the first Saturday game is 
the Texans and Cleveland. That'll be 3.30 kickoff time. Okay. Then the Saturday night game is either Miami or Buffalo at Kansas City, or this says Pittsburgh or Miami or Buffalo at Kansas City. So okay. <laughs> whoever, whatever the outcome of tonight, Kansas City is hosting on Saturday night. And on Sunday, we have Pittsburgh at Buffalo, Miami, or Buffalo at Miami at noon for oh. the Sunday. Uh, the Packers, the one that you're all waiting for, yes, tell are us. 3.30 Yikes. Uh, on Sunday. So okay, basically what we had We're the late game. Week. Okay. All right. Sunday night is Rams at Detroit, which makes a lot of sense. There's a really fun narrative there to follow, obviously, with Matt Stafford coming back. This is also, let's see. So the Sunday noon game is the Paramount Plus game. And the Chiefs game is the Peacock game. So not sure what that's going to mean for some of the uh, the broadcasting opportunities here. but Yeah. And then that leaves, of course, Tampa Bay and Philly on Monday night. So Wow. Wow. Well, wild card weekend, everybody. I mean, the Packers are in it. Uh, I think this is something that I think we hoped for. And maybe five, six games ago, probably didn't think was a realistic expectation. So it sounds like we save Sunday the 15th, the 14th, Sunday the 14th at 3.30 Central for Packers and Cowboys. So that's exciting. Um, Man, what a ride. The Packers are here in the playoffs, and we'll just hope that they keep trucking along. But um, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. Maggie is at Maggie J. Loney. And, of course, you can find her over at Packs What She Said. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps us out a lot. Uh, You can catch Maggie, myself, and Andrew Mertig when he's not missing out, being lazy, every (laughs) single Monday. Uh, And we will be back next week to talk about a playoff game and hopefully a playoff victory. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember, Go Pack Go!